<laughs> All right. Let's jump in. Okay. So <laughs> hi, everyone. This is take two with Lydia. Um, Lydia and I tried to record a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was just not in divine timing, I guess. Um but she is a hypnotherapist and a mindset coach, and I am super excited to chat with you all about hypnotherapy and the subconscious. Yeah, I'm so excited. So how did you get into hypnotherapy? I was in about eighth grade, I think it was, when I first started using hypnotherapy for myself and for confidence. I went to the state fair and there was a hypnotist show that they put on and it was mostly for comedy. But then at the end, he gave a sales pitch about all the different things that hypnotherapy could do to help transform your life. And I was like, well, might as well try it. So I got my dad to get me a couple of tapes for like nail biting and confidence. And I remember really specifically the first time I listened to the confidence tape was right before a dance performance that I had. And, you know, I was eighth grader. I was super insecure and awkward and all that. So I was like, well, it'll either help or it'll do nothing. And either way, it's fine. So I just lay down in the dark and listened to it. And I don't really remember what he said, but I remember kind of waking up or, you know, kind of coming out of trance at the end of the tape and feeling really different and being like, huh, I feel like maybe that worked. Like I'm excited to go do this performance. And it definitely helped. I mean, I felt way more confident on stage. And then I was like, all right, this is something special that I feel like is going to be a big part of my life. And I, you know, use it every once in a while from then on, not all the time. Cause I was a kid, you know, getting distracted by life. But then it just kind of came back around into my life then um, in my like 20s and 30s. And I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that it started at a young age too, because I feel like when people really have their, whether it's like a spiritual awakening or just an awakening in general about how the mind works, they have to reevaluate their life in a way because now they're seeing it through like a different lens. Um, so can you explain a little bit about like how the subconscious works before I like ask you any more questions about hypnotherapy? I want to get the foundation and ground yeah. right. So people understand and then we can like build on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you have two parts of the mind is how I like to think of it is the subconscious and the conscious. That's like your waking thinking mind, the critical part of your mind. And then the subconscious runs about like 95 ish percent of everything else. Once you learn something and you've repeated it enough times, the subconscious is like, all right, mine and just takes it. Like you don't really think about driving or riding a bike or breathing or walking any of those things because you've done it enough. And now the subconscious just runs that really the whole purpose of the subconscious is to give you everything that you expect and to make things easy for you. So it's always going to take the path of least resistance always. And all of it holds all of the beliefs all of the beliefs that you have, all of the memories and of your whole life, it really has a perfect memory. Even if you can't consciously recall something, it's in there in your subconscious. And there's also a lot of studies out there that prove that the subconscious can connect to greater inspiration. It can connect even outside of us. And so I think that that is what's really wonderful about working with the subconscious is not only can you go in there and change your beliefs that will then change your automatic responses and automatic thoughts and the ways that you take action in your life, but you can actually tap into it for inspiration as well. And, um, what else? I feel like I could talk about it forever. I'll stop there and see where you want me to go. <laughs> so I heard someone describe 
the subcon was it the subconscious or hypnotherapy once as you're at a club and there's a bouncer there and you can't get past the bouncer so you try and make the bouncer a little sleepy and then you can get past it and like by getting into the club you're getting into your subconscious is that like kind of in layman's terms how the relationship works yeah sort of so the bouncer is something called the critical faculty and that actually mm -hmm. lies in the conscious waking mind and that is there yes to protect your subconscious right because really like that's the whole purpose also is to preserve the body to preserve you to keep you alive and keep you safe and so you know the mind thinks like everything that you believe is perfect as it is right and so everything that you learned between the ages of zero to seven like those are all your core beliefs like if it if you or anybody has seen uh the disney movie disney pixar's inside out where there's like the core memories, right? Like that's kind of how it is. We have these core memories that form when we're little and we don't have any control over it or really any understanding. It's all just so connected to energy and it just completely forms how we're going to see the world and how we're going to move through life. And so our mind is sort of like why why change that like this is how we know to survive and so that bouncer there is going to keep out any other influences because it's not sure like is this fine to be here or is this harmful and so that's the other cool thing about hypnotherapy is i know that thanks to hollywood um there's a lot of false information out there and people can often think, oh, it's mind control. It's a way of manipulating and getting people to do things that they don't want to do. But that's just not the case. You can't be hypnotized to believe something that you don't want to believe. So that's what's really great about working with a hypnotherapist is that you can come together and realize like, hey, I've uncovered that I believe this, that I learned this as a kid and I don't want to believe it anymore. I'd rather have this belief you know, this new better belief, because this is going to help me be happy and be more effective. Oh, I have two questions. I'm going to ask you them because I don't want to forget them. But when you said Hollywood's really ruined how hypnotherapy is portrayed, I see this a lot on TikTok where there's like conspiratorial videos of people talking about how the media is programming us. And I just want to know how yeah. much is that actually possible to a degree when you're not in like a hypnotic state? Like if you're sitting watching TV and an ad comes on or like, you know, as they would say, big farmer ads, try this medication, whatever it might be. Are you yeah. actually being programmed like through hypnosis or is that just not correct so uh it is correct so back when tv first came out they were called more often referred to as programs television programs we call them shows now right we call we call it something different but the reason why it is programming is because you go into trance when you are watching TV because of the refresh rate of the images coming at you it automatically puts you into a different brain wave state mm -hmm. so normally we're in like beta when we're awake and then when we go into hypnosis we go into trance we go into alpha or theta brain waves Right. And this is a little bit slower of a brainwave. And this is where you can start to tap into the subconscious. And so that's what the television does is it gets you to just zone out and you're completely entranced in it. Think about when you watch a show or a movie and this is also proof, right, that the subconscious can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. Right. Here I am watching House of Dragon, like crying. Mm -hmm. right? You watch these things and they trigger real emotional feelings and real responses within your body. So yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not someone I, I think that there are some conspiracies that are true and all that. Um, not, I wouldn't call my, I don't feel like I'm a conspiracy theorist person. I don't think that I don't think about that stuff a lot, I guess. Uh, cause I think a lot of it will never really know the truth, but I do know that about the mind. I do know that about the refresh rate. So mm. I mean, yeah, television is a very powerful medium and it can be like with anything powerful can be used for good or bad. So yeah, I guess it's really the intention, right? Like the intention behind it, like I live in LA, I'm around a lot of people who are in film and TV. Most of them, when they're producing content or producing shows are not within the attention of let's hypnotize the public. Like that is just not where it goes. Right. But having known what you just said about the way that your brain functions whilst watching TV, of course, yes, you have to have the awareness around that, which what you said before also about the ages from zero to eight being your most impressionable years, impressionable years. Mm -hmm. What does that like say about kids TV and like what kids are watching and absorbing? And I know you're a mom, so I'm curious, do you have any like rules around like what they watch? Yeah, yes, definitely. So, I mean, it's amazing. Anybody else out there with kids will know your little kid will watch something with a sassy teenager. And then the next day they're acting like a sassy teenager and they're seven. And you're like, excuse me, where did this come from? Kids are just sponges. Literally, they will pick something up instantly. And my daughter, she's especially a little chameleon. She's very sensitive to that stuff and picks up on it quickly. So for me, I pay a lot of attention to tonality that I hear in characters. And if I feel like the tone of their voice and the things that they're saying aren't what I think is a honest, positive way to communicate or a behavior that I want my kids to have, I won't let them watch it. And they get that and they know Um, And I have those open conversations with my kids and I say, Hey, this is, you know, influencing you. We, we all have to be aware of the content that we consume. And I, I mean, they're six and seven and I'm telling them we have to be aware of the content we consume, but I mean, it's just true. And then I also myself lead by example with that for me, um, I, yeah, I know. I just said I watch House of Dragon. That's like my one violent show. <laughs> um, I really try not to watch. It's really, I mean, that's trauma enough for like a lifetime. Um, but I personally try not to watch uh, violent stuff. I don't watch horror movies anymore or uh, things with, if I know there's a trigger warning traumatic scene, I just don't really watch it because I have terrible dreams. And then I'm, you know, upset all day. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. And I feel like it's, we can feel it and kids feel it too, but they just don't really know how to communicate it. So obviously I'm never going to tell anybody how to parent, but I just, it's really important to me for more people to understand what's influencing their kids. And I just feel like most people don't understand and just don't know what's happening to their kids' minds. Yeah. It's, it's frightening. I have um, like nieces and nephews and I'm always just like watching like what's what's cool for them like what's in like and I try and think how am I going to approach this with my kids come that time and being on TikTok for example that really frightens Mm -hmm. me for kids to have access to that like endless scrolling as well because that's hypnotic as we all know Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes can't get off TikTok or 30 minutes goes by and you're like how the fuck did 30 minutes just go by you know um right so 
do you in terms of like TikTok or social media do you have the same rules that apply for that for your kids yeah it's amazing how young they are and how much they want to be on social media already like I said my kids are just my son just turned six my daughter's seven and they want to be on YouTube like they want to be a YouTube family like they want to me to film our lives and put it on there. And I'm like, nah, like we're not, that's not it. Uh, they want to use Snapchat filters. Like, you know, they want to use all the things. And, and I think that social media can be really positive, but I think Mm -hmm. overall we have a lot of awareness of how harmful and how toxic it also can be. Um, so I limit, I let my kids watch maybe two different YouTube channels from time to time. Um, occasionally I'll let them watch a couple like animal TikTok videos with me. You know, I'm not like completely depriving them of ever watching anything or ever seeing anything, but they don't have just a, here you go, free for all, go scroll away. Because like you said, we know how hard it is to get off TikTok sometimes. It's a work day and we're like, oh, an hour went by scrolling. I'm calling it research, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's, um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma. I had a lot of resistance to wanting to watch it initially because I knew it was going to be major shadow work for myself and my habits, but it was really eye-opening as to understanding the algorithms Mm -hmm. and the mission behind keeping people on their phones. Uh, So yeah, it's good to know that stuff and understanding how your brain gets so addicted so easily. Yeah. I definitely remember watching that. It was frightening (laughs) and concerning (laughs) all at the same time. It was more the fact that they, I, I was like, okay, so they can see you through the camera in your phone. Yeah. I'm like, geez, but that was the part that I was the most like embarrassed about because I'm thinking like all of the, the real <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes of my life. I don't even, yeah. I have no words. I'm so sorry for all of the people that have to watch my boring life. Um, but even, okay, so I speak openly about this on the podcast that I um, have in my late 20s figured out that I have ADD and it's genetic in my family and it's self-diagnosed. I cannot say I have been diagnosed, but through my own research have figured out that it describes me to a T. But what I also noticed was that things like TikTok ruined that attention span so much that that's Mm. another part of what frightens me about kids on social media is like, does their attention span even stand a chance ever? Uh, I, you know, the thing I feel like, I personally feel like, uh, no, it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't really stand a chance, but I know that if we make a decision to live intentionally with anything, we can truly transform and rewire our minds. We can increase our attention span. If you make a decision, hey, like I, I'm going to quit scrolling. I'm going to really limit myself. I'm going to cut myself off from this. And understanding how hard that's going to be to actually do and the ups and downs that will come with it. But I really believe that if we decide, if parents, you know, decide, I'm going to help my kids with this that they could see a better outcome. But I I really feel like overall for the general public, it's just going to be a mess and we won't really know until it's kind of too late how bad Mm -hmm. it is. I feel like with most things. 
Yeah, it's going to be like smoking. It's going to be in 30 years, they're going to say things like, I cannot believe we used to let people, you know, just free scroll the internet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But luckily, I mean, you can set limits. So that's... I need to set who wants to limits that. for myself. I need to childproof <laughs> my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so since we were on the topic just then of ADHD or AD, can hypnotherapy help mm. for focus and that kind of thing? Yeah, I I've used it myself for focus. I really believe that it, that it can. Um It's just about, so essentially I'll kind of give you kind of a rundown of what a session looks like. Mm -hmm. So in a session, you would kind of set a goal and kind of decide what it is, like what's the main focus. And I always really recommend people kind of just work on one thing at a time so you can really get in there. What I like to do for myself, if I'm making a recording for myself or for a client is I like to include metaphors, almost like a little mini story inside. Once once you relax and we're speaking directly to the subconscious, I like to put in a metaphor because the subconscious loves that. The subconscious loves stories, images, you know, all of that. So it it's really a great way to talk about the change without talking about the change, right? So I like to put in a metaphor for that. And then I like to also go in with direct suggestions that are related to behaviors. And that's what I have found has worked really well for me. I don't have perfect focus, but if I, I know that I have these little behaviors, these little habits that I'm stacking or things that I'm changing, I find that it really helps. So if let's say you're researching ADD and you come across a certain type of strategy that you really like for productivity, maybe it's like the Pomodoro technique or whatever. So you would put that in to your hypnosis. You would put in that you're going to use that. And it just helps to ease up any resistance that you have when you go to actually like set the timer and sit down and do it because anytime we're looking to make a change, like it's normal to have resistance because we want to just keep doing the same thing that we've always been doing. That's our comfort zone. We're safe here. So even small things that are helpful for improving focus that you know are proven strategies are hard to do, but hypnosis helps to make that easier because it gets the whole mind on board. So I'm curious, does the hypnotherapy change like your brain chemistry? Because I know, for example, if we're going along with the example of ADHD and how people Mm -hmm. with ADHD have different levels of dopamine within the brain, if you're doing hypnotherapy for focus, does that help to balance some of that dopamine? So what, uh, without having any like of my own studies to back it up, I don't want to claim throwing, that. I'm throwing just to real hardcore questions. Legally you know. protect myself. <laughs> um, but just to legally protect myself, I'm going to say don't know for sure. But what I have found with some of the visual imagery is that it can create really positive feelings within, within yourself. So some of those things, and maybe I'm referring to like, I know that there's three different brain happy chemicals. Um, so yes, you can create those, those within using these images, the imagery in your mind, you'll feel these very real feelings inside of you. So, you know, I'm going to do some more research on that because somebody has to have conducted research. Somebody has to have that answer. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I know. I, (laughs) I feel bad throwing these hardcore (laughs) questions at you because I'm like, that's probably something for like a neuroscientist. Um, But 
I was just curious because, you know, there's people like Joe Dispenza that talk about how you can use those deep hypnotic meditations to change bodily functions and ailments and all that sort of thing and, Mm -hmm. and heal yourself. So I'm like, well, why can't you do that for your brain too? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy around around that because there's a lot of people who don't believe that it's possible and what i will say is that for those people who don't believe it it will not work (laughs) it won't like if you're if you're like nope it's not gonna work for me it it won't because you just will not like you don't want it to and you won't you won't take the suggestions because you'll have that wall up again up against it right so you know, yeah. So I, I do, I mean, there's so many, much proof of people changing and healing themselves. It exists out there. And I see a lot of it on TikTok, people fighting and going back and forth, being like, no, you can't heal yourself. And people are like, yes, you can. And I, I think they're both right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do too. I think there's a bit of nuance to it. But I'm now really thinking about if somebody walks into a hypnotherapy session and say they want to quit smoking but maybe there's a part of them that's like i Mm -hmm. really love smoking i'm only here because my doctor said that i have to be here because i'm ruining my health in every single way but like you identify as a smoker you love the activity of it itself will hypnotherapy work on that person not without focusing on whatever that we call it a secondary gain whatever that other piece is right so some people they don't want to quit smoking because they're like no i don't want to quit smoking because i get to take three extra breaks during my shift because i'm a smoker i get to go outside i get to take a break from work they don't want to give that up right so it's about kind of like uncovering what it is because a lot and really that goes with any addiction to any type of suffering is that like exactly that we're kind of we get addicted to our suffering and you know sometimes people are complaining a lot about their problem to a person whom they really want that attention from and that's a secondary gain and they're like oh if i solve this problem i won't have anything to talk to this person anymore about this attention that I want. I won't be able to get that. So they keep their problems so they can have that interaction. So yeah, if you have a secondary gain with any type of problem, smoking or anything else, it very likely won't take because yeah, you don't, you ultimately don't want to make the change. Okay, so part of the hypnosis process, didn't mean to rhyme that, but Mm -hmm. is wanting to change. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. So all of like those Hollywood portrayals or those shows where they're like, okay, now you're a duck. Now act like a duck. Stop quacking on stage. And they're like Mm -hmm. convinced they're a duck. Is that just all fake? No. So the state, like stage hypnosis shows, usually people who are going to volunteer for those things are kind of like life of the party. People who like attention or funny or the outgoing people. So they want to do like, they want to put on the show. They want to do it. Um, so no, those, I mean, there obviously could always be a case where there's a fake in any scenario, but any good, hypnotist who's and the ones I've seen so many shows I love them they're hilarious they can always tell who's faking and they send them away they send them back to their seats in any of the shows I've been to because yeah nobody can make you do anything that you don't want to do like in movies like okay a kid's movie the Incredibles the second one they hypnotize people like the bad guy hypnotizes people and I'm watching that with my kids and I'm like, that's not real. Like, uh, obviously I can get on board with this stretchy lady and the super strong man, but the hypnosis thing, like, no, like that's, not, that's, that's not how it works. The stretchy lady, much more realistic. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I've always wondered whether those are real. Um, those shows always remind me of really intense, like, gospel churches back in, like, whatever, the 60s, 70s, where they were, like, falling yeah. over. And I'm like, are they hypnotizing them to do that? You know, I th- I think that they just go into trance and, like, tap in to some some other energy. That's what I – I mean, I haven't been to one of those churches myself, but I had a friend in high school who went to one. And one t- – a good – like, one of my good friends actually unfortunately passed away when we were in high school and we were at his – service and my friend was sitting next to me and she started speaking in tongues like in the middle of it like being in the church and she started like she it it was she wasn't faking it like something came over her like Mm -hmm. something it wasn't like a negative energy it was like a positive something positive like healing type of energy that like she brought in I think unintentionally. I don't know. It was it was interesting. But I, I think that in those churches, they just learn how to tap into something else. Yeah. there's def- I feel like it's probably dependent on the church. I've never actually witnessed it. I've only ever seen like those YouTube videos or in documentaries and all that sort of thing. But yeah. channeling is definitely real. Like different consciousnesses Mm -hmm. can come through you as a vessel and you can communicate whatever they're trying to speak through you. Often the issue is the language barrier. So whatever comes Mm. through like, okay, yeah, it's not in English because they don't speak English. Right. So that's super interesting. And it just, what I remember my friends. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded kind of like, um, like a light language is, right. I guess what I would describe it sounded more like, yeah. 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 Even, even being, uh, very in the spiritual community that I am, I still find it really challenging to listen to light language because how do we know? Like we, there's so many questions that I have <laughs> that I'm like, what is going on? Or you can feel yeah. the energy, the presence that they're connecting with. And my conscious brain still can never get its head around it. Um, but it's super interesting. Like, that's not a skill that I can do. But I'm always very interested and curious as to when other people, like, reputable people, trustworthy people that I know have that ability. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. always in shock when it happens I'm like what is going on I've never channeled it I've never tried and I'm the same I feel like I'm where you're at with it where I'm kind of like I try to I try to make it make sense logically and figure it out figure out where it fits and I've just sort of come to that it's too much for us to make sense of in a way so just accept it. (laughs) But I've listened to some audios before of light language that were really good and made me feel amazing. So I don't know how it, I don't know how that works, but in some cases I, I like it. Interesting. Yeah, I know part, part of me, my like rational thinking brain is like, is this a placebo effect that I'm going into it knowing I'm going to feel a certain way? And then my spiritual side is like, just let it happen. <laughs> like, receive those light codes. Yeah. yeah. Same. <laughs> um, I'm going to switch gears real quick because before I jumped on here, I was looking at your TikTok and you said something along the lines of your thoughts don't create your reality, which is a quote that gets thrown around a lot. What did you mean by that? 
Yeah, your thoughts don't create your reality, your beliefs do. And my the, my main reason for posting that is for anyone who deals with anxious thoughts and intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. to know that those are not going to manifest, right? You can't just think something and then it's going to boom manifest, right? And I know that for me, I've always had intrusive thoughts my whole life. And it wasn't until really a few years ago that I realized that a lot of other people, maybe everyone has intrusive thoughts. And I really thought I was like a bad person or something. I was like, I have a dark side, you know? And obviously, yeah, we all do have a dark side, but, but I mean, I was really hard on myself about them forever for so long. And then I became a mom and then they got worse. You know, Mm. I'd be all worried, all these worried, crazy imaginings of scary things. I was afraid were going to happen to my babies. And like, it was, and it made my anxiety worse. It was like those just fed each other. And so when you're managing those, because I don't, they don't really ever go away. You just kind of learn to accept and manage them, right? And live with them because it just, it is what it is. Um, But when you're trying to just reject them, reject them, not have them, avoid them, avoid them, like you resist it and it persists. And it's just, it's really hard to try to live that way. And it's hard to create great things in your life and to manifest new great changes when you're battling yourself in your mind over that. And people out here are saying your thoughts create your reality. It makes you feel terrible sometimes Mm -hmm. if you start to believe that that's true. And then you're like, oh, great. I'm never, you know, and it starts to be like this spiral of I'm never going to ever achieve anything because I'm doubting myself. And it's like, of course you're going to doubt yourself. You're doing something you've never done before. Of course you're going to. And so that's kind of, I guess, something that I'm passionate about helping people understand is because, you know, it's, I feel like the, the goal should be kind of self-acceptance more than like pushing for self-love. It's like, accept who you are and know that you're okay. You're like, you're okay as you are. And you can still create the life that you want with anxiety and with intrusive thoughts and with mental health Mm -hmm. things, because we all have our struggles with that. And some seasons of life are really hard. Yeah. I'm glad you made that distinction because that's a question I get all the time. Like, how do I know if these anxious thoughts are intuition or they're going to manifest or whatever it may be. Mm. And I personally, like I think in the past, I think couple months or so was feeling extremely hypervigilant like I've always had anxiety or different degrees right um being Mm -hmm. medicated for it off medication now for it but like you know I always know something is up subconsciously when certain Mm -hmm. things start to re-arise and um I'll, I'll just be totally brutally honest. So, cause I'm sure somebody's going to relate to it as well. But like one of my main red flags for when I need to like really check in with myself is I'm double checking everything, like triple checking everything. Mm. Or the example that I love mm-hmm. to give because everyone does this is like, did I unplug my hair straightener? Oh, I'm in the car right now. Mm. I need to get out of the car to go back into my bathroom to triple check. I unplugged my hair straightener. Those types of things. You're not going to manifest from that place. Like, it's just not going to happen. For me, it's, it's really been about, you know, the distinguishing between anxiety intuition 
has been about like figuring out where I feel it in my body and just like stopping and deciding like, where is it? Like, is it in my stomach? Is it fluttering here? You know, where exactly, where is this coming from Mm -hmm. and figuring that out? But it takes practice and just being patient with yourself. But if you're in a spiral of beating yourself up for having anxiety and being like, I shouldn't be this way if I'm going to manifest this thing that I want, then like, you're not like, just be patient. It's going to, it's going to work out. You're going to figure it out. You're going to understand yourself. It's just slow it down and be, be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a rush for manifesting I feel people like how can I manifest this as quickly as possible or why is my manifestation happening why hasn't it come to fruition all of that Mm -hmm. I've definitely been guilty of that for sure but as of recently I'm just like I just have my hands up I'm like whatever is gonna happen is gonna happen like I know I talk about manifestation but sometimes I get to a point where I'm like I don't care anymore (laughs) I'm like, whatever my subconscious (laughs) is doing, whatever vibration I'm putting out, I'm doing the best I can, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I relate to that a lot too. And I feel like anytime we talk about something a lot or help other people with it, then the the universe is like, oh, here, okay, you want more lessons on that? You want to be an expert there? Here you go. Work on that. And then we're like, okay, well, now I'm struggling with it again. And so now I feel like an imposter. And so, again, it just kind of comes back to that, like, accepting where you're at and being patient with yourself as you work through it. Because it doesn't mean that you're not an expert in manifestation if you're Mm -hmm. struggling to manifest something. It just means that, like, you're in a lesson right now. Thank you for saying that. You're mastering it at a whole new level. Yes, exactly. There's so many people that have this impression that if you know a lot about manifestation, they're like, well, why aren't you a millionaire living in a mansion, you know, with a six, seven Mm -hmm. figure salary? It's like, just because you know how it works and you know the theory of it does not necessarily mean, you know, what I just portrayed to you. Like, I'm never going to be that person that's like, um, pretending that I'm like, I can manifest like this. Like everything's coming in so quickly. I'm like, no, not at all. Yeah. I know. I feel like those are the most annoying comments that I see online is people being like, then how come you're not driving a, what's a cool I don't know whatever a cool Ferrari car is. and it's like <laughs> and yeah yeah not everybody wants that either like not everybody wants that and there's so many layers and to that massive of a change going from being like a middle class person to being like a very much upper class it's a it's a big gap it's a, it takes a while to get there and anyone who's done it it's, it's taken a lot of work and maybe that's not all out there for everyone to see. Um, but we all literally not a single person has the exact same model of the world, like the exact same life. No one does. So I don't know. Those, those comments are important and good to think about and talk about, but they're funny. (laughs) It's like, no, it's just not, not how it works. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not at all. Um, that being said, obviously besides hypnosis, do you have any manifestation methods or techniques that are your favorite? Um, let's see. I, I really like to focus on beliefs, but for me, I use a few different kind of tools. I like to use, you know, vision board things. I like to, but I really like to make a plan 
ultimately. I feel like for me, it's journaling and handwriting things is kind of my favorite thing. And then I just sort of schedule, schedule it all out for myself. Um, I also work with the moon a lot. I used to have an offer where I would work with other people with the moon, but I'm not doing that anymore just because I, I just, it, for, it has to be private for me right now. Not everything is a moment to lead others, I feel like. Um, but I like to use the moon. Um, and yeah, just handwriting mostly is my main thing. Handwriting it out, making a plan, and a plan for transformation and a plan for action. And then scheduling all of the action. Um, and then anytime a roadblock comes up, if I don't use hypnosis, I use emotional freedom technique to kind of like shift in the moment. If I'm feeling something negative that I don't want to feel and what else, but I'm not, I personally don't really use like the, um, write it a million times, you know, like the three, six, nine or five, five fifty five. those type of methods I don't use. Oh, I do use like a shower method a lot though. Also. Is that um which is basically in the shower? Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's just like energetically washing away the old that old energy going neutral and then bringing in the new energy. And it works so well. I love it. <laughs> So you use a shower to wash it away. How do you visualize the bringing in pot? Okay. So I wash it. I feel it all. That's what I do. I stand under the water. I feel like all the stuff I don't want to feel anymore. All the stuff I've been trying to ignore. I let it all come in. I think all the terrible thoughts. I let myself just be my worst. And I stand under the shower. And then until it's like really bad. And then I step out of the water. And then when I step out, I make myself like neutralize. And I feel like the stepping out like shocks you a little bit enough to where like I drop all that away and I try to think of something random. Like I'll be like Oreos or like whatever. <laughs> it's like a random thing I can think of. And then I'm like, okay, random. And so then I start picturing like that next level version of myself. I see her, I kind of like my higher self. I see her, I start building the images, I start feeling the feelings, I start thinking the things that she's, you know, that she's going to be thinking as I step back in. And I just picture that washing all then over me and like completely filling me. Wow. And then, then I go about my day. <laughs> then I'm squeaky yeah. clean. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna have to try that. Um, how? So when you told me about your scheduling, when you schedule everything in, yeah, I'm like that's very practical. But for me, knowing myself, how do you mm -hmm. keep yourself accountable? Yeah, so I can't do it really by myself. So what I tell other people what I'm doing. So I have like a business bestie right now. If I don't have a coach, I have like a business friend and we do that for each other. Right now I'm not working with anyone one-on-one. -on -one. I was a little while ago though, um, but right now I'm not. And so if I don't have a coach I'm working with, I have an accountability friend and we check in with each other kind of throughout the week and see where we're at on our goals. Sometimes I'll also tell like a family member or my boyfriend, I'll be like, I'm doing this, you know, and then that way I have somebody to check in with me because if I don't tell somebody else, I mean, it's hard. I can do it sometimes, but willpower on that stuff can really fluctuate depending on what else is going on in life. So if I have another person I know is going to follow up, then I can do it. Yeah, I definitely need that in my life. <laughs> I need someone to, 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 to be like, did you do it yet? I yeah. 
don't know if this is self-sabotage <laughs> or if it's just like an ADD thing or whatever it is. I have a draft of an email, right? Like, like a pitch email mm-hmm. that I've mm-hmm. not finished, right? I know how important this is. I haven't finished it. It's just sitting mm-hmm. on my laptop. Every week, I'm like, I'm going to come around to this email every single week. This has been going on for like six weeks now to the point now where I'm like, I can't even open mm-hmm. this document. I mm-hmm. was thinking earlier this week, I was like, I need to get my best friend on the phone and literally FaceTime yeah. her so that she's like watching me do this. Like I need someone to quite literally force me to finish this at this point because that's how I can convince myself so easily to not do something. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think it, it's ADD doesn't help anything (laughs) as far as productivity goes (laughs) and getting stuff done. But yeah, I think that that's the best way to do it is to have somebody else, another person who's going to check in or watch you or be there when you're doing it because it helps a ton. I've had a goal of getting on Pinterest and YouTube for so long. And I, I mean, for like a year and I finally just now I'm doing it, but that's why I hired someone to help me. And so now she's checking in with me and being like, I need this, 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 and this from you. And then I'm like, okay. And then I can just go do it. I can sit down and do it way more easily than if I was just like, well, today I'm going to figure out what an idea pin is. No. Now she'll be like, this is what an idea pin is. And this is what I need from you. And it's, it's really helpful. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree and relate more, to be honest. And you reminded me of a video that went viral recently on TikTok, which was this girl discussing, um, it was the relationship between motivation, success, and like inner happiness, and how some of the most Mm. successful people, like the main common denominator was a few different things. I may not remember all of them, but one of them was like a sense of superiority, like feeling as though you're better than uh, most people. One was like Mm. uh, extreme insecurity, like basically a void that they are trying to fill. And... Mm. The third one, there was a third one that I can't remember in this moment, but she was saying like, if you fill all of those needs or if you do the work and you do the therapy and you reverse some of those, I guess, maladaptive behaviors or beliefs, maybe your motivation might go away because there isn't that driving force. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. I so much get that. I personally had an experience with this. This was probably like, oh my God, like four years ago now. Um, when I was serving a completely different niche online on Instagram. Um, but I remember I was digging deep into like, why, like, why am I doing this business? And I was kind of uncovering that and just prove myself successful to people who I don't even talk to anymore and who probably like wouldn't even know that I was successful. Like who I'll probably like literally never see again in my life. And I realized that. And in the moment of realizing it, I didn't care about that anymore. I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why would I be motivated to prove myself to people I don't even like and I'll never see? But it was a huge driver for me for a while. And once you figure out kind of like what's motivating you and you, and you, like you said, and you change that, it's like, okay, what do I draw from now? And yeah, I mean... I also, I worked with some inner child specialists this past year 
and I uncovered another, another driver in my life that, um, I don't know if I'm ready to share publicly yet because I'm still in the situation, but I was feeling like I really want out of this situation. Um, but then I found out that it's a huge motivator for me. And so then I was like, never mind. I'll keep that because I want that drive. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. So honestly. one day, next time I'm on the podcast, I'll tell you what that is. Yeah, <laughs> <Maybe>. exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I need some of those driving motivators back. I know when I was much younger and in a different industry altogether, similar to you, what you just explained, I felt like I had something to prove. I felt like, mm -hmm. you know, I really cared about what other people think. And yeah, like the more you heal, the more you awaken, mm -hmm. especially like spiritually uh, awaken. It's like all of that goes away and it's like, I just want to be happy and exist. And like, it's really hard and challenging to reverse that. And um, she, in that video, articulated it so well because she was like feeling similarly. But there was mm -hmm. um, another quote that I read recently and it was like, most people dislike themselves. So why do you care what they think about you? Or like, why do you care if they like you? They don't even like themselves. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's so true. That's so true. And I feel like the more I've healed, like my inner mean girl, and been kinder to myself, like the more that I just love other people too, because any time that I was ever projecting myself hatred to someone else, you know, like it really wasn't about that person ever. It was always about me. Yep. Those are hot so pills true. to swallow. Yeah. For the sure. more you heal. Yeah. Yeah. The more you kind of just like become peaceful inside it's almost like the less that you really feel like you want or need because you're like this is kind of the goal is just to feel at peace and if I feel at peace right now I don't really need anything else and so I definitely feel like I felt that a lot this past year of just kind of being like I don't really need to like make a lot of content I kind of like not having a lot to engage with on social media this year. Like I like, I just feel so peaceful right now. So I mean, yeah, I relate to that a lot. <laughs> a lot. Ah, alas, <laughs> we're all just driving blind in this life. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, so funny. But I'm also aware of time because that hour just flew by um, smoothly, oh, I hope, with no yeah. technical issues when I export this. Um, <laughs> is there anything you would like to plug or promote on that note? Um, you know, let's see, I still am offering hypnotherapy audio recordings, personalized ones. So if anybody wants to try hypnotherapy, I have, um, on YouTube, I just started my YouTube channel and I I'll put free ones on there from time to time if you want to try it out. But then if you're like, Hey, I want something specific, I got you on that. And I, have gotten amazing feedback on all of them that I've made. I really love making them. I feel like every single person who I make one for, I just, I feel like I just, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I feel like I can just feel their heart, even though I never see their face. Um, so I love making those. It's like my favorite offer I've ever made. Um, and then I'm going to be doing a new workshop coming up soon. So, and who knows what else? I don't know. LydiaBachmeyer.com is where you can find me and all my stuff. <laughs> and your YouTube, is that the same? Yeah, everything's just Lydia Bachmeyer. Do you have my name? Hypnosis is up on YouTube already. I have 
an abundance one. Ooh. Yes. I'm going to have yeah. to try and it I'm gonna out. And I'm going to put up, I think I've, I'm going to put up um, another one for like money, calming money stress that I released last holiday season. People get stressed this upcoming season about money. So I'm going to put another one up here in the next month about that as well. All right. I will, I'm going to try the abundance one. I'm going to keep my eye out. Um, but thank you so much for coming on a second time. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm so happy to talk with you. I love this. It's so much fun.